Welcome to Ethics, a podcast from the Allegheny College Department of Computer Science, supported by a grant from the Mozilla Foundation. In this series, we interview current students about ethical issues inherent in their work as computer scientists and discover the ways that their technical projects create or respond to real-world ethical issues. In this episode, we talk to Maddie Kaphammer, whose work focuses on creating a computer language to model viruses in undergraduate biology classes. I'm here today with Maddie Kaphammer to talk to her about her senior comprehensive project. Hi, Maddie. Hello. Thank you for having me. Of course. Can you tell us a little bit about your project, its title, and what it does? Yeah, of course. So for my senior thesis project, I created a tool called Viral. And Viral is a tool that allows students, particularly biology undergraduate students, to model disease transmission models with a domain-specific language. I created this language myself that really allows students without a knowledge of computational principles and computer programming to be able to implement disease transmission models without kind of needing that knowledge and just being able to understand the basics of disease transmission. And with that, Viral is web-based on a web interface, so it allows students to interact with the tool wherever they want to and whatever time they want to, to kind of make those predictions, both for an educational purpose and also just out of their own interest of disease transmission. So full disclosure, I was one of the the readers on this project and coming into it from a computational background, um, I, there were, a, I mean, I knew what domain specific languages were. Your second reader might not have. There are usually two readers on a project. Uh, and I also did not know what modeling was. So I imagine there's some level of that on the audience's behalf. Could you talk a little bit about what each of those are and how they relate? Yeah, of course. So I'll start with the computer science side of things. A domain-specific language is basically like a very simplified programming language that's specific to a particular domain. So a few listeners who are familiar with computer science might be familiar with LaTeX, which is often used kind of for writing and formatting things. That's a domain-specific language. Another domain-specific language is Markdown, which also helps with writing. C++ is considered to be a domain-specific language. Same with SQL and HTML that really just help with very specific types of implementation. And then with that, disease modeling is basically using a whole bunch of mathematical equations to kind of predict the outbreak of a disease over time. So you give these equations input parameters, like the number of susceptible individuals in a population, and then kind of with those parameters, these equations are able to plot out points over time to help you understand how those compartments or different populations change with the trajectory of a disease. Now, this can be really complex in a lot of ways. You can model it with neural networks and artificial intelligence. However, a domain-specific language allows students who don't really have the knowledge of Python or R to be able to create these disease transmission models because it just focuses on only and solely disease transmission. So maybe we've had a little bit more familiarity with models, given that we are still in the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, So maybe some folks have some, some awareness of that. But as far as this project pertains to the topic of, of the day, we're really thinking a lot about the ways in which 
software and computational tools are used according to this wide, wide net of ethics. Can you talk a little bit about how your project interfaces with those ideas and what we might consider when we think ethically about what you've done? Yeah, of course. So Viral currently is a tool, as I've stated previously, that is made mostly for educational purposes, right? So it produces results that are fairly accurate within the realm of helping students to understand the trajectory of a disease over time. However, one ethical issue that's kind of arisen and I've been thinking a lot about is the fact that I'm hoping that this tool will be able to be used in the future in more of a public health setting. And right now, that information accuracy just isn't there, right? So viral is reliable in a sense that it allows students to understand diseases. However, it is not accurate in the sense that you can use it to inform public health decisions which is something that I've really been thinking about and trying to understand how I can kind of extend the tool to be more accurate in the future. Right. So especially because there are a number of projects this year that if other folks have listened to other episodes, they know that there are a lot of educational focused or educationally focused projects that have been going on or that people have been conducting. Can you talk a little bit about the ethical implications of introducing something like this to students that while it does not necessarily pass industrial muster, it certainly still has a value for students in teaching them things. How do you negotiate that line? Yeah, so that's tricky, right? And part of it has to do with the way that this material is being taught and how the tool is kind of implemented into that education and curriculum. So something that's really important with disease transmission is understanding that while it kind of gives you an idea or modeling gives you an idea of what's going on, it's not the end-all be-all, and it never is. And with that, students kind of need to be able to understand, hey, while this is helping me understand things, this is not going to tell me exactly what's going to happen with the COVID-19 outbreak and that type of thing. In addition to that, I'm hoping and very excited about students using my tool. And with that goes kind of hand in hand with them inputting data that might be personal to them or personal to kind of current situations, which brings in kind of this idea of data collection. Currently, right now, viral is not a tool that collects its data. So kind of users are disidentified. It doesn't matter what they input because as soon as they exit out of the tool, that data goes off into space. However, with this tool kind of going more in a research-focused area, I'm hoping that eventually we can introduce data collection into this research. And then with that, we have to think about things like, okay, how do we keep this data private? How do we keep this data disidentified? Will students be able to input whatever kind of parameters they're interested in to use the tool? How do you balance that within curriculum? How do you balance that with not even students, but just whoever wants to use it that's randomly on the internet and finds viral to use it and that type of thing. And really kind of thinking about how we will disclose that that data is being collected and kind of allow users to opt out and how exactly that would work. So your response raises a few things. One being, and I want to tackle this one first, is thinking about this being a clearly what we would refer to in the trade as an open source tool, something that is available for anyone and everyone to use and to work with. In what ways does that 
inform change, help us understand why you're making the tool, how it's being developed, and the kinds of responsibilities that it has to the using, the using public. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, I'm very excited about Viral being open source. In a lot of ways, this project was really new to me. And for some of those reasons, it doesn't work as well as I would like it to. And perhaps somebody will be able to extend it in a way that makes it a lot better. So I'm excited about it being open source. However, with that, we have to make sure that people aren't misusing the tool and kind of changing it to not model things correctly or changing it to do that data collection when we don't know about it. Or in addition, extending viral myself to have data collection and people misusing that data and that type of thing. So with that, there's kind of this code of conduct, right, that open source often has of this is how you should be using the tool, this is how you contribute to the tool, and with Viral, definitely setting forth those guidelines of if you're interested in adding or contributing to Viral, you need to open an issue, create a pull request, those types of things really help me as the creator and sole developer of the tool to be able to kind of mitigate those kind of ethical concerns that we have about tools being source. I'm glad that you talked about the code of conduct, especially as pertains to open source projects, because again, these projects are projects that folks can take off on their own and work with, or they can contribute. You said pull requests. They can ask for you to essentially integrate code or integrate changes to documentation that they would like to see, which is great. We, we like the fact that there can be multiple hands touching this thing and making it better. But you're really getting at something that I find interesting in all of the interviews that I've conducted so far, and I think all of them that we will conduct, is that a lot of the stuff is non-technical, right? There's a lot of issues that arise from using software that are much more real-world based. And in terms of, you also talked about it a little bit before when we were thinking about the use of the tool as pedagogical or largely educationally focused. Can you talk a little bit about some more of those burdens, I guess not, you could talk about your tool specifically, but also thinking just about software in general, the kinds of non-technical issues that get introduced by putting something out there or making something available or relying on folks to use it in the right way. Yeah, for sure. So I think that I've probably even experienced this as an undergraduate student of finding a tool that I was like, oh, I read the description, this is perfect. And then instead of really diving deep into the documentation or really understanding the purpose of the tool, I just try to apply it to the project at hand and it never really works out as you want it to. And with Viral, that is a concern. It's a domain-specific language created as a pedagogical tool for undergraduate students who don't really have an understanding of computer science. So with that, it's extremely important for those users, for those students, for whoever, to be reading the documentation to understand how to write that domain-specific language code, to understand how to download these results and graphs that it produces, to understand exactly what the parameters that they're putting in mean and why they are putting in those parameters. I think that often in computer science education, at least for myself, something that gets lost is why you are doing something. So it's really easy to just kind of look at documentation and see, okay, I need to write these three lines of code to do this thing. I do it. I go on. However, I want Viral to be a tool where not only are students kind of writing that code, but they're understanding exactly what the code means 
And that's partially why I chose a domain-specific language to really allow them to focus on what a parameter is, how that is associated with disease modeling, what that means in a computational sense, those types of things. Right. And that that domain, the idea that the language is tailored to a specific class of action or problem, I think definitely helps with that. As you move forward in the future, you've already con as you move forward in the future, you've already discussed a couple of these areas, but what are the future implications and where would you like to take this project? And and what do you hope happens with it in the future? Yeah, so I'm really glad that you asked me about that. Um Viral is a tool that I'm really passionate about. I'm super proud of the work that I've done. I personally think it's super interesting and very exciting. Um, right now, currently, the tool isn't so accurate when you try to model a few different types of disease, specifically vector-mediated disease. So a lot of people have heard of these, like Lyme disease, malaria are two pretty hot ones that we talk about a lot. And with that, I really want to be able to extend the tool so that we can really get at this information accuracy, getting these predictions right, and be able to kind of implement more stochastic methods that occur and account for that random variation in disease. Right now, viral only focuses specifically on deterministic differential equation modeling. I want to be able to extend that in the future. And with that comes a few kind of things that I need to be thinking about as a developer of, okay, how can I keep this tool educational and be allow it to be used by undergraduate students who don't understand disease modeling or don't understand computer programming while still employing something that's a lot more complex, such as artificial intelligence. How do I integrate that into my domain-specific language? Well, those are a few things that I've been thinking about. In addition to that, one type of disease system that isn't often talked about and isn't available currently with the viral software is frequency-dependent disease transmission. With this comes kind of a lot of more technicalities and that type of thing and very personal information about kind of how an individual who is infected with a disease interacts with other people. So to be able to kind of think about that and how I will focus on data collection in the future and those types of things has something that's been weighing on my mind. However, I do have to say I'm really excited about the opportunity to extend the tool and keep working on it. It's something that I'm sure I will be working on and improving a lot until hopefully I'm like 35 years old and then it's used in public health data sets and public health settings all over the country, at least, is the goal. We appreciate your your long-term future forecasting there with your tool, Maddie. Thanks for stopping by and talking to us today. Yeah, thank you. That's it for this episode. Follow, rate, and review us on your podcast platform of choice. We'd appreciate it. For more about the Allegheny College Department of Computer Science, head to cs.allegheny.edu.